Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week, if you were here with us, we had the greatest news. The greatest news possible. Jesus Christ, who had been dead, who was crucified and placed in a tomb, rose from the dead. He walked out of the grave. He appeared to his disciples and hundreds of people for 40 days. Last week, if you were here, this is the time we found ourselves in this 40-day period after the resurrection of Jesus Christ where he's hanging out with people, eating fish. If you had been one of the disciples of Jesus, what more could you have wanted? What more could you have wanted? Forty days he spent with them. And then the time came where Jesus says, no, now I must go. So he takes his disciples, leads them out to a hillside, where he tells them about what their command is to, to be the witnesses of his, to be witnesses in the world, in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then Jesus ascended in his body into heaven. That's why the bones of Jesus have not been found, because they ascended into heaven. And the disciples look into the sky thinking, what just happened here? <laughs> Wouldn't you as well? These disciples are regular people, okay? They're They've seen some miraculous things, but they're regular people. And Jesus just went up into the sky. I too would stare into those clouds. And, and so... God sends an angel into their presence to make sure that they're not too confused. And he says to them, the angel, says to the disciples, Why are you staring into the sky? Don't you know that this Jesus who just went into heaven is going to come back in the same way? So go to Jerusalem as he's commanded you and wait for the Spirit. And so the disciples do. They leave Galilee and they go down to Jerusalem for the next big celebration that's about to happen in this city. You remember a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago on Palm Sunday, when Jesus triumphantly rode into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. Palm Sunday occurred in Jerusalem. Do you remember what was also happening at that time? The feast of the Passover. Right? The, in, the Jewish, uh, in the Jewish tradition at that time, hundreds of thousands of people would gather together for a couple of different annual feasts in the city of Jerusalem. So, at the time that Jesus is arrested and crucified, the feast of the Passover was happening. There's another feast that's about to occur now, 50 days later, called Pentecost, which literally means 50 days. So, Pentecost occurs 50 days after the Passover Sabbath. So, now the Jews are on their way back to gather in Jerusalem, people from all over the known world. So maybe Jesus' disciples were already going to go there. Maybe it was part of their um, annual tradition. Either way, Jesus had told them to go to Jerusalem. So they gather in Jerusalem. The disciples are together. And, and ten days after the ascension of Jesus, ten days after Jesus' ascension, they're in Jerusalem, and the Spirit of God comes upon them in their gathering. And the Bible says that tongues of fire are upon their heads, and they be, begin to be able to speak in other languages. Other known languages, not, not gibberish, but other known languages. They are emboldened by the Spirit. 
The, the, the Spirit opens their eyes and their hearts and their minds to understand what it, what it is that they've seen and experienced with Jesus. And, and then filled with the Spirit, these guys, regular people who are, who are afraid, who have been afraid, are now emboldened. And they go into the city streets where hundreds of thousands of people are there in Jerusalem. 50, just think about this. It's only 50 days since the crucifixion and supposed resurrection of Jesus. Only 50 days. You can imagine that this news of this Jesus guy is still fresh in everybody's minds. And they go into the city streets. And they begin to say to the people, you killed Jesus. This is the message that Peter spoke. You killed Jesus, but God raised him. All right, we are in the first 10 chapters of the book of Acts. This is what, what chapter 28 of the story covers. 10 chapters of the book of Acts. If you've never read the book of Acts before, seriously, go home and read it. It's not a hard read. It's just a straight story. Uh, and, it, and it tells the story of how the Christian church began. So you can read the book of Acts. It's a short for the Acts of the Apostles. And read that story. There's all kinds of uh, bold stories of faith. And it's empowering for us to see what happened to these regular people, these fishermen, these disciples, when the Spirit of God came into them and they proclaimed the truth. Today, also, if you read this chapter 28, you meet some key characters in the development of the Christian church. People like Peter and John, people like Stephen and Philip and Saul. These, are, these guys are all here in the beginning. Most of the New Testament is written by these guys. So go home, read the book of Acts, and you'll get to know all these people yourself. But we're going to focus today on, on this Pentecost event, specifically as our gospel lesson, was, or as the first, not the gospel lesson, the first lesson from Acts was read by Miss Aubrey, uh, Peter... Peter is emboldened by the Spirit, and he goes into the city streets with this primary message. This primary message. You killed Jesus, but God raised him. You killed Jesus, but God raised him. You know who Peter's talking to? To the people in Jerusalem who probably shouted, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And he's saying, you did it. You killed him, but God raised him. When you read the book of Acts, you will see this phrase repeated over and over again. This is the key way that the gospel is proclaimed in the book of Acts. You killed Jesus, but God raised him. You'll see all the apostles use the same phrase over and over. Peter, again, is saying this to the very people who did crucify him. And Peter is just simply saying, listen, I too saw it. I witnessed it. I was there. I denied him on the night that he was betrayed. But I tell you, I've seen what this man can do. And my eyes have been opened now. And I see that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. You people are Jewish. You know the Old Testament about the coming Messiah. This is him. And he was killed. And he has been raised. And I am an eyewitness of the fact. And I'm here to tell you about what I have witnessed. This is the gospel message. Plain and simple, if you want the gospel message boiled down to something, it is this. Jesus rose from the dead. The gospel message is Jesus rose from the dead. My friends, I tell you and proclaim this into your ears today that Jesus is alive. 
I said it on Easter. I said it last week. The fact that Jesus has risen from the dead changes everything. It means that the hope that we profess is a sure and certain hope of eternity. It means that the peace that Jesus offers is a sure and certain peace. Because Jesus rose from the dead, it means that the forgiveness that he extends to you sinful people is true. You are forgiven. It means that the love and the grace that Jesus wants to give to you today is true. It means that no matter what you do, what you say, what you leave undone, what you leave unsaid, Jesus forgives. Life is yours, grace is yours, because Jesus rose from the dead. And here's what I tell you today. You, too, like Peter and the other apostles, are witnesses of the resurrected Jesus. You and me, gathered in this room today, we are witnesses of the fact that Jesus is risen from the dead. You have seen him. You've seen the risen Savior Jesus, haven't you? Now, if you're sitting there today, you're going, I don't think so, Pastor. Uh, I'm not crazy. I don't see visions. I don't have dreams. I, I haven't seen any apparitions of, of Jesus showing up in random places. I, I haven't seen the risen Savior Jesus. Well, let me challenge your thinking today if that's what you're thinking. Because you actually have seen the risen Savior Jesus. You, you have witnessed to the fact that Jesus is alive. And here's how. Just like you cannot see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. You may have not seen the risen Savior Jesus Christ in the flesh, but you have seen the effects of the risen Savior Jesus. Jesus sent his living spirit, the Holy Spirit, upon the disciples on that day of Pentecost. And that same spirit dwells within every one of you. The Holy Spirit is here. You are an effect and a product of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. You have seen him. You've, you've, you've witnessed how Jesus works. And how does he work? How does Jesus work? He forgives. So if you've ever been forgiven or you've ever extended a hand of forgiveness to someone, you've extended and witnessed and experienced the risen Savior, Jesus. If you've ever experienced true love, true unending, unconditional, grace-filled love, you are a witness of the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have ever had your life changed and gone from a place of sin and selfishness to a place of selflessness, Receiving the grace of God, it only comes through the risen Savior, Jesus. If you've ever had an overwhelming sense of peace when everything about the situation says you should be anxious or worried, you've experienced the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have witnessed or experienced any of these things, then you have witnessed the risen Savior, Jesus. And if you have seen it, you are mandated to testify about it. Right? This is how it works. If you have seen the risen Savior Jesus at work and experienced it, you are by definition mandated by God to testify about what you have seen and experienced in the work of Jesus. And we bear witness not for our own sake, 
for the sake of our loved ones, our, our neighbors, this world. Now maybe you wonder, and you think, when, when we talk about bearing witness, maybe you think, I mean, you just need to go out into this world and shout the name of Jesus over and over again. That's not, that's not what's being asked of you. When you are called to bear witness, all you are being called to do is bear witness to what you have seen and what you have experienced. And so maybe you wonder today, well, I don't know, I don't know what to say. I don't know the Bible well enough, Pastor. I, what if somebody challenges what I'm trying to say? I, I don't know how I would back up any of these claims that we believe in. And maybe you're even thinking, maybe you're even thinking, frankly, I don't even fully understand how this God became man and, and became Jesus and died and rose. I can't explain it. How am I supposed to tell somebody else about it? And if you've ever thought any of those things, you join me because I thought them myself. What we have been called to do as witnesses of Jesus Christ is to witness and to give testimony about what we have seen and experienced in our lives. So I want to simplify it for us today. Because it isn't all that complicated to be a witness of Jesus Christ. I want to focus today on three parts of our bodies. Three parts of our bodies that, that God has given to us. And we could expand this a lot. But three things to keep this simple. And, and how it is that we use these three pieces of our body to bear witness to Jesus Christ. First, I want to talk about your eyes. What is it that your eyes see today? Who do they see? Your eyes, today. What have you experienced? Who have you seen so far today? Your family, when you woke up, if you have family that lives with you? You've seen people on the roads as you drove here today? Maybe you went shopping already? You've gathered together here today? A lot of these people that you look at today you know, but, but any one of you does not know everybody in this room, I don't believe. You see people here today, you're going to go probably shopping or go to a restaurant or go somewhere else on the road. Who are you going to see? Who are your eyes going to see? When your eyes are at work this day, and I'm just talking about today, when your eyes are at work, I want you to think, who are my eyes looking at? Is there anything that I know about Jesus, anything that I have experienced that when I look at this person, anything that I can say to them to offer them hope, not, not any false hope, but hope in Jesus, to offer them solace or, or peace or to offer them a helping hand. Well, who do my eyes see today? Think about your eyes this day. The second is this, your hands. What do your hands touch today? They've touched many things this day, right, already. But what do your hands touch? See, some of you, in the next one we're going to talk about lips, all right? I'll just give you a heads up. Some of you are big talkers. Some of you are not talkers. You're people who do things with your hands. Some of you, for your jobs, you're just, you're workers. You, you do things with your hands. And you don't say very much. How is it that you, with your hands, with the things that you touch in this day, how are those things that you touch an image of who God is and how his love works in this world. And the things that you touch today, whenever you touch something, I want you to be thinking, how are my hands at work bearing witness to the risen Savior Jesus through this? 
because he's at work. He's at work through the things of this world. What do your hands touch today? And finally, what do your lips say today? Most likely you're going to speak. I'm sure probably every one of you have said at least one word today. I would imagine even the most shy of you, I think probably have said something. What do your lips say today? As your lips speak, I tell you, if you pray, and you pray for God to be at work, giving you opportunities to bear witness about him in this world, God is going to give you opportunities. And in this one day, doors will be open for you to speak the truth of Jesus Christ. And so I ask you today, what are your lips going to say today? Because in this day, I guarantee it, there are going to be opportunities for you to do a couple of different things. You will have the opportunity probably in this day to gossip and to speak poorly about someone. To complain about your boss or your coworker or a family member. You will have opportunity to do that today. Or you can use your lips to speak well of your neighbor, to defend them, to speak well of them. Your lips will give you the opportunity today to speak words of worry and fear and anxiety. Or your lips will give you the opportunity to speak of a God who gives and delivers and out of this world peace. How are your lips going to speak today? What are they going to say? You have been called to bear witness to Jesus Christ. And again, you are mandated to do this as a witness of his resurrection and the effects and the experience of his resurrection. You are mandated to speak about it. And again, maybe you're going to say, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how. Well, let me tell you this. If you claim to be a Christian person, you are a Christian because somebody else bore witness into your life. Somebody did. At some point, maybe multiple people. So if you don't know how to bear witness to somebody else, think about what those people did in your life. Or frankly, go and ask them if they're still alive. How did you do it? How can I be a representative and an eyewitness of the resurrected Savior Jesus Christ in this world? And it really comes down to this. As Peter boldly proclaimed and the apostles boldly proclaimed Jesus is alive, this is what it comes down to. Can't you say this? Jesus is alive. I've seen him. Do you think you can say that today? Again, I tell you, in this day, you have already today experienced the life-changing, life-saving grace of Jesus Christ. You know how I know? Early on at the beginning of our worship service, you confessed that you are a sinful person. And I, by the call and the ordination that I've received by Jesus Christ, spoke his words of forgiveness to you. Today, the Holy Spirit is here. Jesus is here in bread and wine to forgive you. I'm telling you, friends, you're witnessing the resurrected Jesus at work today. Today, your hands have already experienced the resurrected Savior Jesus as you shook hands with one another. You shook hands with other sinful people. Broken people who are gathered here today to receive that life changing. You shook hands with people whose lives have been changed by the miraculous healing touch of God. You have experienced the risen Savior Jesus with your hands. And your lips have already sung and spoken of the miracle that Jesus is alive. You can do it. 
You can do it. You've experienced it today. You are witnesses of this fact, and it really comes down to this. Can you say these words? Jesus is alive. I've seen him. Let's do it. Let's say it together. Jesus is alive. I've seen him. Amen.